Holy Spirit will help you tame your tongue. He'll help you to say the right thing. Amen? Now, I, I use this illustration. How many of you ever, ever, just to show you how the Holy Spirit works, how many of you ever, you were about to say something to somebody, could be anybody, and you had a check in your spirit that says, don't say that. Anybody raise your hand? You ever had that? Now, what was that? That was the Holy Spirit endeavoring to tame your tongue so that you wouldn't say something that would hurt somebody or it may not be the right timing for them to, to say it. Are you with me now? So the Holy Ghost is always trying to tame your tongue. Praise God. And there's been times that I, I was going to say something the Holy Spirit said, don't say that. Now, I wasn't condemning. I just, it was a check in my spirit. Don't say that. I just shut my mouth. I thought, praise the Lord. How many of you know sometimes when you open your mouth, you can't get those words back? They go out there and you say something, and then it causes a ripple effect. It can be in the negative way. Yet, the Holy Spirit can prompt you to show you not what not to say, but He can show you what to say to help somebody and to bless someone. I pray that today that my words, like David said, he says, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Lord, will be acceptable in your sight. I want my words today to count in your life, to build you up, to edify you, to lift you up today, that there be a divine lifting on the inside of your heart when you leave here today. The Lord is, the God is, He's the God of all comfort and the God of all hope, and He wants to give you supernatural comfort and supernatural hope. Thank God we can come to church and we can hear from the Lord. Amen? Amen. And if we don't hear from the Lord, we're in trouble. But I believe that when we come, Jesus shows up. His presence is here. And we saw last week that Jesus spoke to uh, fevers. He's Peter's mother-in-law. Remember that? He rebuked the fever and the fever left her. We saw that in Luke chapter 4. He spoke to fevers. Number two, he spoke to wind and storms in Mark chapter 4 when he was out on the lake and a storm came and threatened to drown them all. Jesus stood up and he spoke to the wind and to the waves. Yeah, but that's Jesus, Pastor Keith. I know, I know. But he's teaching us how to function in this life. He's showing us the power. See, so many people put Jesus in a category off by himself like, you know, don't try this at home. You know what I'm saying? You ever see commercials like, don't try this at home. Somebody does a big stunt on TV. Don't try this at home. This could be dangerous. Jesus didn't say that. He shows us how that we are to function and operate in this life. Jesus also spoke to a man with a withered hand, and he said, stretch it forth in Matthew chapter 12. And lastly, Jesus spoke to a dead man that was dead for four days, Lazarus, in case you were wondering. <laughs> and his sister said, by now he stinketh. He's been dead for four days. Well, Jesus didn't say, oh, I didn't know that. Let's, let's, let's try something else. He said that didn't phase him whatsoever. Amen. It doesn't matter if they've been embalmed. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Amen. Jesus said, cut Lazarus, come forth. Praise God. And I'll tell you what, we're living in these days. Now, today I want to I look at the New Testament. I want to go over to the book of Acts Now, we know that there's 28 chapters in the book of Acts, but you know, actually, the book of Acts is still being written. Now, what do you mean by that? The book of Acts is the Acts of the Holy Ghost at the, at the early church, but the Holy Ghost is still doing things today. Amen? Now, most Bibles, if you read at the top in the book of Acts, it says the Acts of the Apostles. <laughs> the Acts of the Apostles. Where'd that come from? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> My tongue was going two different directions. <laughs> the Acts of the Apostles, they lied. That's not true. That's not, that's not anointed to be in there. It's the Acts of the Holy Ghost through the church. Okay? Because sometimes people religiousize it and they put it in its own category. Say, oh yeah, thank God the Lord did this in the book of Acts. But, you know, that was for them back then. Well, not really now. Listen, God is still healing people today. God is still filling people with the Holy Ghost today. God is still raising people from the dead today. God is still doing miracles today. But He's looking for people that will just believe Him. Now again, we're, the name of this series is called Determined. Determined. We have to be determined. Now, we're going to look 
And it's interesting because God always puts the worst case scenarios in the Bible, worse than what you and I would ever go through, and to see what they did in a bad scenario and how God delivered them out of it. Here we are in Acts chapter 16, and we'll pick up in verse 16. It's Acts 16. In verse 16 it says, And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel or girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying, or we would say fortune telling. Okay? So she was, uh, they had, she, this girl had, was possessed with a spirit of divination. Are there people today that have this, this spirit inside them? Absolutely. But it's not of God, it's of the devil. And let me just say this. As a believer, now maybe before you were a Christian, whatever you went to, a palm reader or a psychic or something like that, Christians ought not have anything to do with these works of darkness or lest you get a, an evil spirit. Okay? Reading your horoscope and all this kind of stuff. Listen, you don't have to go to some horoscope. <coughs> Sounds like it is horoscope. We can go to God. We can go to the Holy Ghost. We don't want to tamper with the things of darkness. We don't want to tamper with the demonic realm. Are you with me now? And he says uh, that uh, she brought her, in verse 16, she brought her masters much gain. In other words, they had their pockets lined with cash, (laughs) as we would say, because of her soothsaying and fortune telling to people. People would go to her. Are you with me? Do you ever notice these, these palm readers and stuff? They, li- they always have this on the side of a road some little dump shack. <laughs> Beat down looking thing. I wonder why. And now notice in verse 17, this same, that's the woman, this, this, this lady here, this girl, followed Paul and us and cried saying, These men are servants of the Most High God which show us the way of salvation. Now notice that here's a girl that's possessed with a spirit, an evil spirit, okay, with a demon. She's possessed. And yet she's following Paul everywhere he goes. And she cries out and said, these are servants of the Most High God which show us the way of salvation. Now let me ask you a question. What she said, was it true? Yes, Yes, it was. But let's read on here. Let's see something here. It's not so much what someone says, it's the spirit that's behind it. Okay? And it says, The same followed Paul cried, saying, verse 17, These men are servants of the Most High God, which shows the way of salvation. In other words, she's making announcements, blowing the trumpet. And verse 18, Thus she did many days. So this didn't just happen for a couple of days. This went on and on. Every, this, this demon-possessed lady followed Paul everywhere he went and said, These are servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. But... Uh, This she did many, but Paul, notice verse 18, but Paul was grieved, he was grieved in in his spirit, and he turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her, and and he came out, that's the devil, came out of her that same hour. All right? Now, someone said, well, why didn't Paul deal with this earlier in, in his ministry? Well, he's no different than you and I. You know, some things you just let drag on a little bit and then you begin to realize, you check up inside here, said, something's wrong here. There's a wrong spirit that's being communicated. Have you ever been around somebody before that had the wrong spirit? And you're like, hmm. And they might be saved and born again, but there's just something not right. You know what I'm saying? Because Christians can yield to the devil too. We've all done it. Okay. We don't have to, but we can sometimes. But see, this... Paul was grieved in his spirit, and he said finally, and I believe he had discerning of spirits at this point, and when he saw, I believe he looked and he saw the spirit that was behind this woman. What's discerning of spirits? That's one of the operations of the gifts of the spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it's discerning. It's able to see into the realm of the spirit, whether it's the demonical realm or angelic realm or the God realm, to be able to help someone and to get them set free. Now, Paul turned to this He said to the spirit that was behind this woman, he says, I command you to come out of her. And it says he came out the same hour. Now look at verse 19. And when her masters saw that their hope of their gains was gone, in other words, making money, they caught Paul and Silas 
And they drew them to the marketplace unto the rulers, and they brought them unto the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. Now they're starting to lie about them, right? In verse 22, And the multitude rose up together against them. Isn't it amazing how they started spreading lies and they all believed it? They all rose up said, Yeah, that's right. Okay? And it says that they, magistrates rent off their clothes. That means they tore off their clothes and they commanded to beat them. Verse 23. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the inner prison, into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. So uh, here you have Paul and Silas that cast do a good thing. And they had resistance. They had opposition. They cast a, you would think people would be happy, right? He just cast the devil out of this girl. Now she's free. Praise the Lord. Now she can't tell any more fortunes because fortunes because the holy the spirit, the demon spirit that was in her was given her. It was a familiar spirit. What's the difference? The Bible talks about a familiar spirit. See, a familiar spirit, they're in the earth, they're familiar with people. They're familiar with you. Okay? And when people start operating in a familiar spirit, that's when they start saying, here's your social security number. God's not doing that. The devil says, you think it's God. People say, There's, you have X amount of money in your wallet right now. God's not going to do that. That's a familiar spirit. Are you with me now? Are you with me? So, she was operating under this spirit. And when her masters that were making a lot of money off of her Realize that once the devil's cast out of her, there goes their pocketbook, there goes their money. So what they do is they start to lie about Paul and Silas. And they spread lies and they drug, they drug them into the marketplace, the grocery store, if you will. They said, these guys are like this, they're doing this, and it was all lies. It was all lies. Amen? Fake news. Are you with me now? It's no different today. Fake. Fake news. Not true. Praise the Lord. And it says uh, in verse 23, And when they had laid many stripes, in other words, they beat them with a cat of nine tails. And they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. And now look at verse 24. Who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, and made their feet fast in the stocks. Verse 24. Now let's stop there for a minute. So here we are. you got Paul and Silas doing a good thing, and the devil says, we've got we to gotta do something about this. So they dragged them in there. They beat them, laid many stripes on them. Not only that, they put them into a, a rat, and these are rat-infested prisons. These were not like our prisons today. They have televisions and telephones and everything's nice. We're talking germ-infested, nastiest place. Like, okay? And... Uh, and not only were their backs bleeding, they put their hands and their feet in those stocks. They couldn't move their, their arms and they couldn't move their legs. They're in the inner prison. They're in the worst part of the prison, the inner prison. Are you with me now? They're in the worst part of the prison. Now notice that they bound their hands and they bound their feet, but they couldn't bind their mouth. <laughs> because their mouth is what got them out of this situation. See, our mouths can get us in problems or can get us out of problems. And I want to show you something here. We're going to use this as not just a history lesson to look back in Acts 16 to see what happened here. We're going to see how can we apply what they did to our situations today, and God will bring us out whatever situation that we're in. Amen? Now, you may not be, in a, you may not be literally beat by someone or thrown into a literal prison with your hands and feet, but you might have situations in your family. You might have situations in your life. But the principle of God will work in any of these situations here. Look at verse 25. Now they're in prison. Their backs are bleeding. They're in a bad place, right? There's no lights in there. We'll prove that out here. In verse 25, and at midnight, say midnight. midnight. Now at midnight's what we consider the darkest hour. This was a literal midnight, but when you go through a test or a trial, it can be a, a midnight hour for you. I don't care if it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Verse 25, and at midnight... Paul and Silas griped and complained. Now that's the devil's translation, right? <laughs> what does it say? At midnight, Paul and Silas what? 
They prayed and? All right, notice they did two things here. They prayed and they sang praises unto the Lord, and the prisoners heard them. Amen? Pastor, I believe that, you know, I may not be outwardly expressing my thanks and praise to God. You know, I praise God in my heart. Well, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you have a praise in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. That we shouldn't be ashamed to praise God. Especially in church. My God. We come to church. We got to lift our voices. Sing. Shout. Amen. Worship God. Well, I'm not used to that, Pastor Keith. Well, you can get used to it. Amen. You can do it. I said, you can do it. And it says at midnight, they did two things. They prayed, and number two, they sang praises to God. Now, listen, you would think that they're doing this in a church service somewhere, right? They prayed, they're singing praises, they must be in church. No, quite the contrary, they're in prison. And not only are they in prison, they've been beat, their backs are bleeding, their hands and feet are in the stocks. But notice it says, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. Now, probably more than likely, in a prison like the Now, Paul and Silas were not in jail for selling drugs. They were put in jail for preaching the gospel, for a righteous cause. And the devil said, we're going to do something about this. So, they're in jail. They know that. They're in jail not because of a robbery or thievery or anything like that. They're in jail because of doing a good deed. Now, someone said, you know, Paul and Silas were in jail, but they didn't let the jail get in them. They weren't in, they, when they were in prison, they didn't say, oh, we're just so, Paul, do you see what mess we're in right now? Silas leans over to Paul and says, can you see the big mess? Look at what we did for doing a good deed. Can you believe it? I'm convinced if they lived long enough, they'd still be in prison today. <laughs> but they did something. And again, this is a very dire situation. None of us have ever been in this kind of, where our backs are up against the wall like this. Sometimes Christians will get whipped because the red light stays too long. They lose their peace and lose their joy. Like, come on, what's wrong with this light? Man, that's nothing compared to what these guys went through. Okay? (laughs) They didn't gripe and complain. And I'll show you why they did this. There's a revelation. See, there can be no dedication without a revelation. You can go to church and get rededicated, rededicated, rededicated until your rededicator wears out. There can be no, re, there can be no rededification without a revelation. When you understand what you do and what's behind that, you have no problem doing that. The reason believers sometimes get frustrated and, and complain about the Word is because they don't have a revelation of it. But when you have a revelation of how giving works and how faith works and how sowing good seed of of loving people and praying for those that persecute you, when you understand the revelation of that, God's trying to get something to you. He's not trying to get something away from you. Amen? When you bless those that curse you, as the Bible says, you're actually operating on a higher spiritual law and calling those things that be not. You're saying, you're my friend when they're not. When you say, bless them that curse you, you're saying, you're my friend. I bless you. You're actually calling that thing, that person, as your friend when they're really not. Are you with me now? Now it says, at midnight, Paul in verse 25, man, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises and the prisoners heard them. Now most prisoners, you know as well as I do, they would be like, shut the heck up. What are you doing? You know, yeah. Dropping four-letter words and stuff, you know. If they were around back then, I don't know. They had words back then that we probably don't even know about. (laughs) Okay. And, uh, but you know what? They weren't intimidated by what the people thought. He didn't say, shh, they're going to hear us. Let's let's be quiet. Let's be quiet. They threw caution to the wind and said, hey, what, what do we got to lose here? Praise God, we got nothing to lose. Now, we, you ever hear the phrase cause and effect? Okay? Cause and effect. Look at verse 25. They prayed and they sang praises. Now, they did this 
while their hands were in the stocks, while their feet are in the stocks, while they're bleeding, while there's no light, they're in a dark prison, you know, dungeon basically is what it is. There's nothing glorious about that. But then in verse 26, and suddenly, say suddenly. Suddenly. Hmm. Now notice that verse 26 comes after verse 25. It's a great revelation, isn't it? A lot of people want verse 26 to happen, but they haven't done what verse 25 says. Have you prayed and sang praises to God while you're still in that bondage? While you still feel like you're in prison? While you're still having that pain and that sickness in your body? These are all principles here that we're talking about here. It says, suddenly there was a great earthquake. Now, I believe an angel came down and shook that prison. It said, there was a great earthquake, and the foundation of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loose. Now, wait a minute. This is a prison that has other prisoners in there. Okay? And most, most likely, these are not all Christians. These are probably people in there for good reason. They're in prison because they did a bad thing, right? And they're, they're all bound. They're all in chains. They're incarcerated. In other words, they're in jail, Right? But see, Paul and Silas did something that released everybody in that prison. Now, that's just the way God is because God is a God of overflow. And when Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves in the Gospel of Mark, the Bible says, you know, there was a great uh, storm that came against them. But the Bible says there were other little ships with him. And don't you know that when Jesus spoke and said, peace be still, not only did that storm stop for Jesus and his disciples, but the other little boats that were with him, they got the same effect. Are you with me? And the carryover effect. And so we see this right here in the book of Acts. There's other prisoners. You would have thought that God would just set Paul and Silas free, right? Because they're the, they're the ones that are singing. They're the ones that are praying and praising God, right? You would think, Right? That God would say, okay, you guys have done this. We're going to set you free. But the Bible says that all, look at that. Verse 26, suddenly there's a great earthquake. The foundation of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone, say everyone. Everyone's bands were loosed. So I don't know how many were in there. Maybe Let's just say there was 50 for the sake of argument. Let's say there was 50 people in there. Well, Two out of 50, so that leaves what? 48 prisoners that are in there, other than Paul and Silas, all their chains fell off of them. They were set free. They were set free. All because of their obedience to do what God instructed them to do. You know, I noticed this, that every time you're in a dark place in your life, the Holy Spirit will give you instructions. He'll tell you what to do to get out of that mess. Yes, he will. He'll tell you what to do. I remember way back in the day when Lynn and I, we first got married, we were in a, in a church in Colleen, Texas, in Fort Hood, pastors, or working as assistant pastors, 22 years old. And, uh, and we went down there at the direction of the Lord. And I remember when we first got hired there, uh, we weren't making hardly anything. The pastor said, you've got to live by faith here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we knew what that meant was we got to pray and believe God, you know. And so uh, we, boy, I'll tell you what, man, we, we had more month than we had more money left. You know what I'm trying to say? Boy, I'll tell you, every month it just got tight, tight. But we were in the will of God. We were doing what God told us to do. And, uh, and we were in this little apartment that we, we lived in at the time, my wife and I. And, uh, and man, we're just talking like, God, man, we got to, this is the bondage. We just don't have enough money, you know. And the Lord instructed me. Now, I didn't hear it with these ears here, but it was an idea that came, a thought came to me, an idea came to me. And sometimes you just got to act those things out. Okay? Right? And sometimes it seems kind of crazy. Do you remember when Jesus, a blind man, came to him and he spit on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and rubbed it in the guy's eyes? Now, that's unusual, isn't it? That's, a, that's an operation of the Holy Ghost, but... What was the end result? He said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, and he came back seeing. Now, how would you like someone to go, 
you know, and spit on their hand, rub it on your eyes. You'd be like, get away from me. You know what I'm saying? That'll, that'll test who's really sincere about receiving, right? <laughs> Amen. He didn't have a bottle of that stuff you now for your hands, you know, over there. He didn't have all that stuff, right? So there's different operations. There's different administrations, different operations of the Spirit. And sometimes what God tells you to do may seem a little unusual at times. But I had the Lord say, he said, get your wallet, get your checkbook. And he says, put it in the middle of the floor. And he says, I want you to sing and I want you to dance around, you and your wife to dance around that checkbook on the floor right now. So I was a little hesitant to share that with my wife because it came, I'd never thought of that. That surely wasn't me. <laughs> I want to be somewhat civil here, you know what I'm saying? But it came up in my spirit. I couldn't get away from it. And I knew some principles at that time about praise and worship and thanksgiving, you know, that, that, that we can still the enemy and the avenger by the praise in our mouth, praise God. So what, what we did is we put that in the floor. And it didn't look pretty, but we did it. We just... Thank you, Lord Jesus. We just started walking around that, dancing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for about five minutes or so. Do you know that that same week we saw a major breakthrough in our finances? Supernatural. I didn't go out and announce anything or say anything. It was just between us and the Lord. There was a supernatural break that took place that didn't come from my paycheck. It came from an unexpected source that God supernaturally did. Amen. And the Lord reminded me, he said, now if you hadn't done thus and such that I told you to do, then that, that money wouldn't be there for you right now. Right? Now if you're always trying to protect your reputation, if you're trying to look cool all the time, you're never going to mount anything. You can forget it. Amen. I'm sure Paul and Silas, I'm sure the thought came to them, they'll think you're nuts. That's right, they'll think you're crazy. But you know what? The people that think you're crazy will come knock on your door at midnight because they know you got the goods. And we'll prove that out here. Praise God. So we can't be, the Bible says, the fear of man is a snare. Praise God. Now that doesn't mean you go out and do something stupid that the Holy Ghost is not telling you to do. Some people call it the Holy Ghost when it's not the Holy Ghost. You know what I'm saying? But the Bible says, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Praise God. So, uh, Every man's, you know, they're, they were loosed and so forth. Now notice verse uh, 27. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of a sleep. <laughs> Slacker. <laughs> the keeper of the prison, in other words, he's in charge of the prison. He woke up. And seeing that the prison doors were open, he drew out a sword. He would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Now why is this written like this? Because here's the reason. Back in these times, if you were uh, in charge of a prison, if any prisoners, now this is Roman law and Roman rule, because they were run, it was run by the Romans back then, when they invaded Jerusalem and so forth, that if, if any prisoners, if you were in charge of a prisoner, anybody escaped, that meant that you were, they were going to take your head off. In other words, they were going to kill you for not doing your job correctly. So, in other words, when he woke up, he said, oh, my God, this is the worst nightmare of my life. The, the doors are open. All the prisoners are going to leave, you know. And uh, he was going to kill himself with his sword. But notice what happened. Verse 28, but Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, do yourself no harm. We're all here. Now, folks, you know that's a miracle right there. How many prisons do you know today that if the doors magically opened up and the wind is just... <laughs> The bars just disappeared. Do you think they'd be sitting there saying, they'd be high-tailing out of there, baby. <laughs> Here's another miracle. The glory of God was on that prison. It came down on that prison to the point where those prisoners didn't even want to leave. They didn't even want to leave because the presence of God, the glory of God came on that prison. And they wanted that more than anything else. But he says, do yourself... Verse 28, he cried with a loud voice. He said, don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. Then he called for a light. See, it was dark there. And it sprang in and came trembling. This is the prisoner, the, the head of the prison. He fell down before Paul and Silas and he brought them out. And he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> now, who's saying this? The head of the prison. There had to be such a move of God in this prison that the head of the prison said, 
what can I do to be saved? Folks, I believe we're coming into the days of these types of uh, conversions are going to take place where people are going to run to us and say, what is it about you? I need to have what you have. And they'll know that God is in you of a truth, the Bible says. See, God wants the Spirit of God to be strong on the inside of us. Like the apostle, or, uh, John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he might increase. Oh, that, that, pray that I'll be our heart. Lord, I want to decrease so that you might increase on the inside of me. Oh, that people would see Jesus inside of me. So people would see the love of God through me so that to the end that they might come to know Jesus Christ. Amen. He said, verse 30, Sirs, what can I do to be saved? Verse 31, he said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and with all thy house. See, God's after households, right? Amen. And they spake unto him, the, and the, here's Paul and Silas, they spake unto the head of the prisoner the word of the Lord, and all that were in his house. Now notice this, here's the prisoner, the head of the prison said, He took them the same hour that night, washed their stripes, and was baptized all all of this straightway. And when they had brought them out into his house, he set meat, or in other words, food before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his house. Who is this? The head of the prison. Do you believe that's a miracle? Amen. That's a miracle. Now, most Bible scholars believe, just from their research, that the 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 uh, the prison guard right here, the guy that ran this prison, became the first pastor there. And then the people in the, in the prison became their congregation. <laughs> Why not? After what just took place. So the guy got saved, the prisoners got saved, and the, the, the power of God came down and shook that place. Just shook that place. Glory to God. All because of an action creates a, a cause and effect. Action causes a reaction. Hallelujah. And so we can, we can create waves in a good way by doing what, what God tells us to do. Now, most people would reserve what they did to a church service. And we should. We should sing and pray and pray. We do that. We pray in church. We sing praises to God. Amen. But we shouldn't forget the revelation behind this because no matter what you're facing in life, you may feel like your hands are in stocks. You might feel bound like you can't do anything. You may feel like your feet are in, the, in their stocks, like you can't walk, you can't do anything with your hands. Amen? But there's one thing the devil can't bind, and that's your tongue. Now, notice they did two things with their tongue. They prayed. Number two, they sang praises. Right? Now, go to Psalms 100. Wrap this up this morning. In Psalms 119... In Psalms 119. Well, where's our time go from us here? My goodness. In Psalms 119, verse 62, the psalmist David said this, At midnight I will rise and give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. Now that sounds like what we just read in Acts, right? At midnight they did what? They prayed and they sang praises to God. Now it's interesting because... As in the New Testament, as you read, oftentimes, more often than not, they're, they're basing what they're doing or saying on an Old Testament scripture as it is written. Okay? Did you ever do that before? Did you ever see that? How the, there, there's a principle in the Old Testament, a scripture that they'll, like Jesus quoted scripture from the Old Testament. Out of Deuteronomy, he quoted scripture. And Paul, say, Paul would say, you know, as it is written... And he would then quote a scripture. It was an Old Testament scripture. Right? I believe they were well versed. Paul was well versed. Silas was well versed in the Old Testament because that's the only book that they had back then. This is before the New Testament was written. And all of a sudden the Lord will quicken a scripture. Do you know the Holy Ghost can quicken a scripture to you? You can be going along and you're facing. I'll tell you what the Lord is so faithful to do. Anytime I've ever faced any type of situation, I've noticed more often than not... A, a scripture will come floating up on the inside of me to my mind, a thought, a, 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 a scripture, or something will come to my mind that will be pertinent to that situation that I'm in right now. Let me give you an example. When I was a teenager, I had uh, 
three or four people, neighbors that I cut grass for, okay, as a youngster, as a teenager. And uh, I was cutting my, in fact, the people, my, my neighbor right next to us, to the right of my house where I live, I was cutting their, their lawn one day. Now, I was a Christian. I just started going to church, and I was cutting their grass, and I ran in, not knowing, I ran into a, a, a big beehive. Now, I'm out there. It was, so, it was one of the hot summer days. My shirt was off. I'm cutting grass, and I hit this bush with my lawnmower. I'm trying to cut around it, and I hit the bush, and I realized there's a big, there's a hive in there, okay? And, uh, you know, you cannot run those things. <laughs> You see in the cartoons, they run for a body of water. There's no water running. <laughs> Dive in the water. And I'm, I'm telling you, you'll start reacting really quick when that happens. If you're half asleep, you will wake up really quick. Your adrenaline will be pumping through your veins, man. And uh, all of a sudden, out of my mouth came this verse of Scripture, nothing shall by any means hurt you. And I said it out loud. It, it happened so quick, lightning fast, quick. And I hit that. I, I, was, I saw them all coming out, coming after me. I said, nothing shall by any means hurt me. And I stood there. I didn't run. I stood there. And I saw them. <laughs> you know, oh, gosh. And because um, there's a lot of skin exposure there. They could, they could hit me anywhere at this point. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and I, not one, one bee stung me. But after, after it was all said and done, I pulled that mower away, you know, it was all, I, I left go and it stalled, praise the Lord. And I walked away and I thought, I thought to myself, I just quoted a scripture, but I don't even know where it's at. So I went up, and now this is before computers and we could look, you know, but I had one of those Strong's Concordance, a paperback Strong's Concordance that has every word in the Bible. And I, I, I knew it was a scripture, so I looked up, nothing shall by any means hurt you. And I looked and I found it was in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. And it says, Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you or harm you. And I thought, I had to have heard, read that scripture at some point because the Holy Ghost can't bring to your remembrance something you haven't first heard. One of His jobs is the Holy Spirit is He'll bring things to your remembrance. He'll teach you all things and He'll show you things to come. He deals with the past, the present, and the future. And so at some point I had to make a download or hear that scripture in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, otherwise, how could the Holy Spirit bring it to my remembrance at the time of need when I needed it? You see what I'm saying? And so, when I, when I was facing, in a split second, danger with those, those, those bees, you know, or wasps, or whatever they were, uh, I said something out loud instantly. I said, nothing shall by any, I said it out loud, shall by any means hurt me. And I noticed that I was divinely protected. I was protected. Now that just goes to show you, and it, I taught, it taught me a great lesson that day to realize that you can be going along reading your Bible, hearing scriptures, and you're thinking, what good is it doing me right now? But you're making divine deposits on the inside of you, supernatural deposits, so that when the time comes that you need one of those scriptures, the Holy Ghost will reach down inside of you and pull it up to your mind and say, that's for you right now. That's the quickening power of the Holy Spirit to quicken scriptures to you. In other words, to make it come alive, praise God. Does that make sense? Yes. So that in that case, I was actually protected. And I believe what happened in Paul and Silas right here is this scripture came floating up in their hearts. At midnight I will rise and give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. Now it's interesting because they prayed and sang praises. What did they do? They prayed and. That's a conjunction. And. Now in conclusion here today, we have to realize... Now, Paul and Silas didn't pray and praise after they were set free. So, you, you know, most people got the tail wagging the dog. <laughs> they didn't start praying and anybody could praise and sing and glorify God after they've been set free. They did it while they're still bleeding. They did it while they're still and their hands and feet are in the stocks. 
That's when they did the scriptural principles, which ultimately led them to their deliverance out of that mess. Now the, now the keeper of the prison is now washing their stripes, and he's putting food before them. He'll make even your enemies to be at peace with you, the Bible says. When a man's ways please the Lord, he'll make even your enemies to be at peace with you. Now, they weren't intimidated by what other people thought. They didn't care. Hallelujah. Now, sometimes when you start praising God and so forth, you become a little self-conscious, let's just say. What are they going to think? Well, it doesn't matter what, what they think. It's what God, what does God think? Praise God. When, I, when I'm by myself and I'm in my room all by myself and no one's there and I lift my hands to the Lord, which I do all the time, I know there's nobody physically there that can see me or hear me. <laughs> but the one person I want to hear me and see me is my Heavenly Father. Because when I know He hears me and He sees me, I know I've got all that I need. And you can begin to practice the Word of God. Now quickly, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And there's a scripture here that Paul says... I think would be pertinent to us today. And it's in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now the carnal man or the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're what? They're foolishness. And sometimes when you do scriptural things, it may seem foolish. It may look foolish. But you know what? God's foolishness is wiser than the wisest person on this earth. If we're always trying to be politically correct and look, you know, and, I mean, let's just face the fact. None of us want to be rejected. We don't wake up in the morning thinking, let's see who can reject us today. Amen. Now there are some people that are purposely obnoxious, you know, and they, it's, they're not led by the Holy Spirit. They're just an annoyance. An annoyance, you know what I'm saying? But to be, to be biblical and scriptural, the Bible says if you have faith, have it before God. Have it before God. Praise God. And they began to pray. They began to sing praises. And God sent an, an angel down there and shook that prison so that everybody's bands were loosed and set free. Which tells me this. When you pray and you praise while the chains are still on, while it looks like your family's still in bondage, when it looks like that sickness and disease is getting worse, when you're in chains, what do you do? Here's what it tells us to do. They prayed and they sang praises. Now, I don't think it was a sad praise, like, oh, God, Lord, help us, you know. Some people think there's only a sad Holy Spirit, you know. Now listen, the Holy Ghost can make you cry, but I'll tell you what, you're not going to stay like that. Because I'll tell you the most interesting thing, there's been times I've been crying and laughing at the same time. A work of the Holy Spirit. And we shouldn't be, if, now sometimes people say, they say, you should, you know, there's a little extreme in fanaticism, getting emotional. That's true, you can get that way. But listen, you shouldn't be afraid of God touching your emotions. Some of you in the church here, you need God to touch your emotions because you feel like rigid, like a robot. You know what I'm saying? But you, that's okay. If God touches your emotions, it frees you up. He's a God of love, and He loves you. And so the natural man doesn't receive some of these things, but the spiritual man can. Like I was telling you about that checkbook and the wallet, the Lord said, I want you to sing and dance around it. It didn't look real pretty. Nobody saw us. It was just us. But God saw it. And that same week, we saw a supernatural breakthrough. Not only have I seen God do a breakthrough like that for me, but I've seen many, many other times, many other times where I, where I was in a bad situation, a physical infirmity or anything like that, where God said, now's the time to start singing and praising. The Lord will have you to sing and minister to Him at the most unusual times. Well, brother, I don't feel like singing. I don't feel like praising God right now. That's all the more reason to do it. Because only God knows what's going to happen when you do that. Glory to God. Now, in closing here, I'll just refer to this because of time. 
But in Joshua chapter 6, I'll just refer to this, but this is the story, the situation where Israel, and we'll close with this today. Here's a principle that we want to show. I didn't have time to get into this today, but in Joshua, God was bringing the Israelites into the promised land. The mantle of Moses' anointing is just being passed on to Joshua. Now Joshua is going to pick up where Moses left off. Now he's going to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Okay? The first city that God told them to take was Jericho. That's the very first city. It was a wicked city. Now the only person that got spared on that city, in that city, was Rahab the harlot and her family. Because she invited the spies of Israel into and she kept them safe. And as a promissory note, she put a scarlet cord on her window. Because she had heard what the Lord had did and so forth so forth, and how the Red Sea was split. And I mean, the, the terror of the nations was, was, was rampant because they saw what God did for them in Israel and brought them through the Red Sea and so forth. So other nations, were, they were just shaking in their boots about it, you know. Well, you remember what happened after the walls fell. That's exact. God preserved here. And you know, the lineage of Jesus came out of Rahab the harlot. Yes. Who would ever thought? Amen. Who would ever thought? Sometimes we think we got to have the perfect genes, the perfect line, the perfect parents. Man, I'm telling you, God can take a mess and make it glorious. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Now, here's what the Lord instructed Joshua to do. Unusual, but powerful. He said, for six days, I want you to walk once around the, the city for six days. Don't say anything. Just go around the city. March around the city one time for six days. On the seventh day, they were to walk around the city seven times, and then the priests were to blow their trumpets and they were to shout. Okay? Now, Jericho is shut up. And they tell us that the walls in Jericho were such a fortress, and they were so fortified and so wide that you could put two chariots side by side on the walls of that chariot, on the top of that uh, uh, city and ride around that, that. That's how thick those walls were. You couldn't penetrate those walls. That's how they had, you know, the Bible says a city without walls. <laughs> it talks about that, right? That was their protection back then. Amen? People get upset at President Trump for trying to build a wall. Bless God. Where's their intelligence? Dear God. How many of you have locks on your door? That's a wall. You keep the bad guys out, keep the good guys in. Right? Anybody with half sense and one eye could figure that one out, right? Praise God. I'm not trying to be political. But walls are good. God believed in walls. He had Israel build walls, right? So you've got to have some walls. Okay? Keep the bad guys out, keep the good guys in. And if the good people are going to come in, then there's a process they go through, right? <laughs> Praise God. Anybody could figure that one out. I don't get it. So, this, this was a, a city, that, there's no way in the natural you could overtake this city. But they were, they're wicked and they were corrupt and uh, burning the sacrifice. And think about this, this is how wicked they were. They would sacrifice their own children to their gods to appease them. Now that's pretty bad, don't you think? Taking their kids and sacrificing them to their god. And God said, I want you to go in and uh, he said, I want you to take all the silver and all the gold and we'll take that and put that into the treasury of the Lord. <laughs> Amen. He says, but destroy everything else. That's the love of God right there. Destroy everything else. Praise God. And so this is unusual instructions. Now, every day for six days they'd go around the city. I don't know how long it took them, but they marched around all of Israel, a couple million Jews, walked around this city. Six days. And God said, don't say a word. Don't open your mouth. But on the seventh day, I want you to go around seven times around the city. Seven times in one day. Probably took them a little while to do that. And he says, after they went around the seventh time, God says, the, 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 the priests are going to blow the trumpets. And you're going to shout at the top of your lungs, praise the Lord. And praise God, thank you, Lord. And uh, what happened? The walls came down. Now, archaeology actually has discovered this city. And, you know, they didn't actually go like this. 
they went into the earth. It was like a big hand just said, we're going to take this whole city. And the, and the rocks just went down into the ground. You know it's going to take a God to do that. As big as that city was. And again, here we see the principle in the Word of God of singing, praising, shouting, glorifying God when the walls were still up. When the walls were still up. I remember there's a, there's a couple of healing services. I just recently, I was watching online, you know, some ministers that I like. And, uh, and this one guy, this has a healing ministry, you know, and he walked up, to, several times I've seen this happen, and he walked up to a lady that couldn't, couldn't walk. She couldn't even walk. Or a guy that couldn't even walk. And he'd lay hands on her, release the healing power. She, they're still sitting there. He says, now get up and do something right now that you couldn't do. And you're thinking, I'm, I'm crippled, I can't walk. You know what I mean? Or I couldn't do what, whatever the case is. And he would say, do what you can do then. Just do it. Do an effort. Make an effort. And more often than not, I'd see that person get out of the chair. And they're like, oh, I'm trying to hold on to people. And he would say, run in Jesus' name. And they're just kind of scooting along. And before you know it, they're running back to the sound booth and back, healed by the power of God. Now, the natural says, I'm not going to run until I'm healed. Now, God says, you run now and you'll be healed. Okay? See how God thinks? But the natural man wants to say, I want to wait till I feel something. I want to wait till I see something before I can believe it. No, God says, you believe it in your heart first and then you have it. How would you act if you were healed? How would you act if you were rich instead of broke? How would you act if you're healthy? And you step out in faith and you begin to do it and you declare it. You see, any old dead fish can float downstream, I've heard it said, but it takes a live fish to swim upstream against the current. Salmon. That's the word I'm looking for. You ever see those salmons? I saw it one time. I went up in Lake Erie many, many, many years ago. And the salmon were coming in and, and uh, we had stopped by there to see a relative or something and I had no idea what I was about to see. And uh, there's these little these feeder streams that feed the, the lake. You know about that brother man. He's a fisherman. And I'm telling you, you could have reached down into the water and pulled those things up. You're not allowed to do that. But these big coho salmon are swimming upstream. They lay their eggs and then that's it. They die. It's just the way it is, you know. Glad I'm not a salmon. <laughs> I never could figure out why it's, it's spelled salmon. We call it, it's like possum, it's opossum. It's like, go figure. <laughs> I know I'm getting off, off here. <laughs> if you learned anything today, you learned that, right? The pastor said opossum. <laughs> But they, those, they, even in, in like Alaska and stuff, those salmon, they'll go upstream and bears are getting them and stuff like that. And they're, they're jumping up on top of waterfalls. Any old dead fish can float downstream. There's no resistance. You go with the current. You go with the flow. But it takes a live one, my brother and sister, to go upstream when all the things are coming against you and resistance is coming against you. And you stand on the Word of God. See, there's great rewards that come for those in the body of Christ. Great rewards come to those that resist resistance. When the enemy's coming against your soul and you say, no, you don't, in Jesus' name. Amen? Now, I've, I've, I've had different symptoms come against my body and as soon as I get that symptom, I say, oh, no, you don't. In the name of Jesus, I am redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm redeemed from sickness and disease. Now, I didn't know that for a long time as a Christian. I was never taught that. When I found that out and I began to realize, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, that the Lord hath redeemed us from the hand of the enemy, I started to resist. And sometimes you need to resist what God tells you to resist. You see, not everything's the plan and the will of God. I'll close here. And there, are, there are believers, there are Christians that think that everything that happens in life is the will of God, that you are just to say, God, you are in control. Folks, listen to me. God is not in control of everything. There's a bank being robbed right now. Someone's being murdered right now. If God was in control, that wouldn't be happening. 
Are you with me now? It's a dangerous, very dangerous doctrine to think God has everything in control. And I know it's, you hear it. I've heard it from Christian artists who say, God is in control. Listen, if God is in control, then why are people dying? Why are people being tortured? Why are people being kidnapped? Just something to think about, right? Well, Jesus said, pray that the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. There are certain things that are happening on the earth, and you and I need to know what to resist, and we need to know what to embrace. And if pain or sickness comes knocking at your door, you don't open your mouth and say, Lord, you have a purpose in this. No, he does. That's the devil trying to rob and to kill and to destroy you. John 10.10, Jesus said, the thief comes not but for to rob, to kill, and to destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, let me ask you this. If everything's the plan and the will of God for your life, when do you resist the devil? Because the Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Well, if we come from the mindset of God's in control, he's controlling everything, then we would, you don't have to resist the devil because what's coming your way, that must be God's plan. No, it's not. It's not. Are you all with me this morning? Yes. This is so important because this is a very dangerous form of false doctrine that has swept across the body of Christ for a number of about 15 years, 15, 20 years right now. But smart people, which I'm talking to right now, smart people, we've got smart people in this church. You ought to at least be happy when I say that. I didn't call you a dummy. <laughs> say, I'm smart. Through Jesus Christ. You see, when you believe what God's Word says, you're considered smart. So you need to know what to resist and you need to know what to embrace. And you don't want to embrace the curse. When the curse tries to come against you, you rise up on the inside of you, let all, stand up on all fours, as they say, and you say, no, that's not coming to my house. I, I will not accept this in the name of Jesus. And I'll tell you, that sickness, that disease will melt like a snowball in the August sun. When you stand up and you say, no, you don't. You're not coming my way. Now, the reason it becomes difficult sometimes for Christians to receive from God is they're not fully persuaded. They're not firmly convinced that it's God's will for them to have something good. How many of you have kids or grandkids in here? Okay, how many of you like to see things go well with them? I love my kids. But you know, God loves them more than I do. I love my children, my, my daughter, my son. Even my dog. <laughs> it's in a different category, you know. He had a resurrection this week. I'll tell you what, right now. We were, we were taking him. We thought, that's it. We're saying our final goodbyes to him. But you know what? He had a comeback. <laughs> he had a comeback. <laughs> That's another story. Glory to God. That sad moment turned into a glorious moment, didn't it, Kelly? That's right. <laughs> a little chestnuts walking around again. Glory to God. That little Sheltie, amen. Someone gave us the dog years ago. Someone was in our church, year, our first church that we had, and they, had a, they raised, a, they, they bred Sheltie, little miniature collies. And they said, the Lord spoke to us and said, we want to tithe one of our dogs to you. Now, we weren't planning on getting a dog. You know, at that time. <laughs> Until we saw them, we're like, oh, it just took our hearts. I said, man. <laughs> Amen. But uh, what was I saying? God wants you to embrace and receive what he has. He has good gifts for his children. He has good gifts for all of you in this church. I pray that, you, that we have hearts open and to receive the good things that God wants to give to us. Amen. Why not ask every single day? Because I had the Lord do this to me um, about two years ago. And I was taking a prayer drive. I was driving up north on 79. Where the intersection of uh, 376 and 79 are, I was going north towards Cranberry. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And the Lord said, said to me, He said, Keith, can I ask you a question? Would you do something for me in my spirit? I said, yeah. I didn't know what it was. He says, I want you to give me permission to bless you every day. And he said this. He said, you're an authority as a body, as a human being. 
you have authority in the earth, and whatever you loose on earth is loose, whatever you bind on earth is, is bound. And you have the power and authority to bind or to loose. He says, I want to give you things, but I need your permission to do that. And so I started, I said, and I, with tears in my eyes, I said, yes, sir. He said, Keith, he goes, I have everything. He goes, I have more than any human parent could ever have. I have more than enough. I own it all. And if you give me permission and you ask me to bless you, he goes, I will step in because of your permission and I will bless you in some way, some form, some fashion every single day. It could be physically, it could be spiritually, it could be financially. I started to do that. And immediately, say immediately. Immediately, immediately I started to see changes. At first it was small, but then I started to see something here happen and something here happen. And I mean, prior to that, it was like the Sahara Desert. Nothing was happening. <laughs> Few and far between. But when I started to do that, I started, to, the Bible says, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. So I started to prove it out. And I said, okay, Father, I believe you love me. I'm your child. He loves me unconditionally. I can't gain, there's nothing I can do to make him love me more. He loves me unconditionally. So it's not me trying to prove something. It's just a matter of receiving. Receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And I dare you, I'm saying this in closing here today, I dare you to start to begin to ask the Lord to do that. Give him, and you say it like this. Say, Lord, I give you permission to come and to bless me Spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, in every way, today, in Jesus' name. That's all it takes. Now, you can put it in your own words, but I, I double dog dare you. Do you ever hear that phrase before? Because we want to see fruit. We want to see results. Okay? Now, I did not start seeing results like I was seeing until, and when I started to ask him, oh, my goodness, things were happening. It was like popcorn, pop, 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 pop. <laughs> and all of a sudden, things were happening. Now, it may not necessarily be for me personally. It might be a family member, but it's all connected. You know what I'm saying? But listen, folks, God wants to bless you. He has good things for you. He wants to pour things into your life. And it, it, it would frustrate me as a parent. If I was a multi-billionaire, just saying. If I was a multi-billionaire and I tried to give my children something and they said, Dad, I, I can't receive that. If I bought them a brand new vehicle and I said, I want to give this to you. Come on, I want to show you something. Come on out here. And they looked at me and said, Dad, I'm sorry, but I can't receive that. Do you know as a parent that would frustrate me to no end? Would it? Would you too? Because I'm like, I just bought you a brand new vehicle. I want to bless you with it. You don't have to work for it. I want to give it to you. I want to give it to you. If they didn't receive it, that would really frustrate. It would hurt me. How much more our Heavenly Father, who wants to give good things to them that ask Him, will He give it to you? He said, if you being natural know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good things to them that what? Ask. You have to ask. Don't just lay back and say, okay, Lord, whatever you want to do. You know, he says, ask. Give me permission. That's what the Lord instructed me. Give me permission. And I'll go as far. I'll step out on the limb right now. We haven't seen anything yet. But let me tell you, in 2018, we're just in the inklings in the beginning of this new year. There are some things that the Lord will do and shall do in your lives, in our church, in our families, that only heaven could bring, and you will know where it came from. But there's a cause and effect. There's an action and then a reaction. So every day you begin, oh, Father, thank you. I give you permission to come. Bless me. You may not even feel like it. Just do it anyway. Father, I thank you for blessing me today. You may not feel real spiritual. Do it anyway. What does mean spirit, feeling spiritual mean anyway? If somebody knows, please tell me. Okay? Father, I thank you. I give you permission to bless me today. Come and bless my family. Bless our finances. Bless our bodies. 
Give us favor with the people we come in contact with. Hallelujah. As a praise to God, as a glory to Him, that He gets all of the glory and all the praise and all the thanks. Let's stand up and we'll close here. Thank you, Jesus. I know I took a little more time up here this morning right now, but let me tell you something. It's worth it. It's worth it. If you went to a movie and it lasted a little longer than you thought it was, you just dealt with it, right? That's just a natural movie. But let me tell you something. God is depositing things. Father, we thank you today. I pray the name of Jesus for the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. And I release that upon everybody. Can you hold hands if you're next to someone? Just reach, grab hands with them. Stretch across the aisle if you can or want to there. We're connected naturally and spiritually. Now, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to lay hands on these two right here. And the anointing is going to go down the aisles through every person right now. Father, I thank you for supernatural breakthrough, supernatural anointing upon each and every person in this room right now, Father. I thank you for increasing them, for blessing them. I thank you for divine health for everybody in this room, Father. I thank you for divine protection for everybody in this room. I thank you for divine provision for everybody in this room. And so we release the anointing to flow into each and every person here now. In Jesus' name, I receive it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, if God's a giver, which He is, we need to be good receivers. 